Mana Seminars, module number 5.4, the Holy Spirit as a dove and other symbols. Okay, we're reading from John chapter 1, and we're reading verse 32. Then John gave this testimony, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. So he knew that he was the Son of God because the Holy Spirit remained on him and settled on him. So we see that picture of the dove representing the Holy Spirit. Now we know that in Genesis chapter 1, what do we read there? In the beginning, God created thee. And the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And again, that is the picture of a bird who is incubating or hovering, and again, as the Holy Spirit is likened to a bird, and we know that that bird is a dove. Now, creation is about to be birthed because the Holy Spirit is hovering there. Um, Song of Solomon, chapter 6 and verse 9 says, My dove... My undefiled, and uh, likening that to the Spirit of God. The dove was considered to be a ceremonial clean bird and uh, was therefore available for sacrifices in the Old Testament. In Noah's time, what happened in Noah's time? Genesis chapter 8. He sent the dove out. What did, he, did he send the dove out first? What did he send out first? Did he? We're not your high. Good to see you guys. Well done for making it. Good on you. Genesis 8. Okay, we better read it. Eight, uh, verse 8 to 12. It says here, Then he set out a dove. Oh, no. After 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the ark, and he sent out a raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Okay, so then... Uh, he, then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground, but the dove could find no place to set its feet because there was no water over all the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded. So the raven went out first, but he didn't come back. Because on the surface of the water, there'd be a lot of bloated animals, dead animals floating, and he could feed all day and all night because he was a flesh-eating bird. Uh, but when the dove went out, he won't settle on anything that is death, anything that is uh, unclean. And so, again, this is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And then we see seven days later, he comes back with an olive leaf. And those two things, the olive leaf and the dove, are both symbols of peace, yes? Yes. And here they are together in this picture, and it's the Spirit of God that brings peace to us. This was a sign that the judgment had passed and peace had come. So it is when the Holy Spirit comes to us, it is only when the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from our sin and judgment has passed over us that the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives. Hallelujah. So in the Old Testament, the oil of anointing was only ever placed on a person or an object after the blood had been applied. Um, so in Leviticus chapter 14 and the story of the cleansing of the leper, you find that that's 
bottom. I'll read you that, Leviticus chapter 14, verse 28 and 29, if you want to add it to your notes. Um, Leviticus 24, 28 and 29. It just says this. It just says this. The rest of the oil in his palm. Leviticus 20, 14, 28 and 29. Okay. Some of the oil in his palm he has put on the same places he put the blood of the guilt offering on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, on the big toe of his right foot. The rest of the oil in his palm the priest shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed to make atonement for him before the Lord. So the blood could only be, sorry, the oil could only be placed where the blood had already been. And again, we see this picture of the Holy Spirit. He comes. He can't come to uncleanness, and so he he waits. And uh, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, yes? So it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. And he's the one that does that for us. It's interesting that the dove has oily feathers and can pass through all sorts of dirt and dust and grime and still come out clean and pure. The Holy Spirit allows us to live in this world and not be contaminated. A dove is gentle. Matthew, Jesus said this, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent, harmless, inoffensive as doves. A dove has no gallbladder, therefore cannot secrete bile, which is bitter in taste. The Holy Spirit has no bitterness or animosity, violence or hatred. He is gentle and produces the fruit of gentleness. A dove's wings have nine segments in each. These represent the nine gifts and the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. So a dove has the wings are unique in that they have nine segments in each wing. And so here again we have both the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit being produced in our lives. If you only have the fruit of the Spirit, you've got one wing and you go around in circles. Yeah. If you only have the gifts of the Holy Spirit and you don't have the fruit, you're going to go around in circles. You just go the other way around. But with both wings you can make us go straight. Hallelujah. And so uh, the dove is a, a lovely picture. Where there is disunity, anger, unforgiveness or animosity, the Holy Spirit will not settle there and withdraws. This is certainly true when where such things are found among leaderships of a church. He leaves us to ourselves. He hovers but may not settle. And that was the great thing about Jesus, wasn't it? You know, he remained. You know, he didn't have to... The, the, the Holy Spirit did not have to... Scatter because of any uncleanness, because Jesus was without sin. He remained on him. Stories told of, 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 of a dove and budgies put in a cage together. And uh, the owner of the, uh, came back a few, a few hours later or in the morning and found out that the budgies were happy and the, and the, and the dove had no, um, no feathers left. Because the dove does not have a strong beak. And therefore, he couldn't, doesn't defend himself. And so it's an interesting thing. The Holy Spirit does not defend himself. You know, he's like, in this picture, he's like a dove. And that's the spirit of Jesus in First Peter 2. When he was reviled, he reviled not again, but kept on committing himself to him who judges righteously. And it was the spirit of Jesus that, you know, People coming against you, when you're carrying something in God, they would be either jealous or they will misunderstand what you're carrying and they, they, they strike out. And when it takes a lot of uh, dove-like spirit 
not to strike back and just to walk gently and just be understanding in that way. So, so we see uh, the dove is devoted. If a dove loses its partner, it never takes another. It appears to be so devoted to the first. Also, has a dove, a dove has a strong devotion and care of its young. The Holy Spirit is devoted to the Father and to Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 26 there, it says this. Where I'll, I'll look it up here. It is John 14, 26. But the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Over in John 16, 14. So he honors Jesus by that. Uh, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making that known to you. The Holy Spirit is very devoted to, to God, the Father, and to Jesus. Hallelujah. The workings of the Holy Spirit will always honor Jesus, bring glory to him. And uh, so that's what is important there. At the same time, the Holy Spirit is, is devoted to God's children. And uh, so the Holy Spirit takes of what is is of Christ and teaches us and brings us to a place of understanding of who Jesus is. There are four types of dove. There is the palm dove, which lives in the wilderness. When we go through dry times, the Holy Spirit is there with us. There is the rock dove that lives among inaccessible rocks. When we go through rocky experiences, the Holy Spirit is there. He is the, there is the third type of dove is the mourning dove lives among thorn bushes. In prickly situations, he is there with us. Then there is the turtle dove, who lives in gardens and in vineyards. When we are well provided for, he is there to rejoice with us. Amen? Hallelujah. So we see the picture there of the dove as a type of the Holy Spirit. The second symbol I want to deal with tonight is the Holy Spirit as a servant, and we get this from Genesis chapter 4. Sorry, 24. Genesis 24. So I'm going to go there because I'm just, I have just put brief notes on this. This chapter is a beautiful picture of the father sending the servant to find a bride for his son. Here Abraham is like Father God who sends Eliezer, his servant, a wonderful picture of the Holy Spirit to find a bride, the church, for his son. And so the whole uh, allegory is, is about this, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fact of life. It's a true story. It's not just a story or a picture. It's what happened. And uh, so chapter 24 of Genesis, Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. And he said to the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. So we here see, we see that the father is saying to the servant, the Holy Spirit uh, is the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, and his task in this season of time, these years of grace, is to find a bride for Jesus. Hallelujah. And the church, and to, and to make, a, that's one of the pictures of the church, is a bride. And so, uh, and, and it was interesting because Eliezer, because Abraham, uh, if there was no bride there, Eliezer could have easily become the, the son 
the inheritor of Abraham's fortune if Abraham had had no sons. So he'd lived with the possibility of this for many years and then and later the, the, the two boys, Ishmael and Isaac, arrived. The servant asked him, if what of this woman is unwilling to come back with me? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's house on my native land and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, to your offspring, I will give this land. And so he will send his angel uh, there before you uh, and so that you can get a wife for my son from there. So Eliezer sets out to find a bride for Isaac and the angels and the Holy Spirit work together to fulfill the will of God. Yes, so God sends an angel, sends his servant, the Holy Spirit. But in these days, we can, we can expect to see angelic, in, uh, I was going to say interference, <laughs> yeah, interference in the, in, in, in the purposes of, of the enemy, but to their ears, uh, their ministering spirits to those who are heirs of salvation. And so these are, and when you read the book of Acts, you find just how many times angels were involved. And I think, you know, uh, we, Jesus said, or Jesus or somebody said, that we entertain angels unawares. So who knows? Who knows? Well, there's very good stories around about that sort of thing. Uh, verse 9 The Holy Spirit is committed to carry out the will of the Father. He promises to carry that out. Verse 9. It says, so the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master, Abraham, and swore, that's how they swore, swore an oath in those days, and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. Yes, we don't want in too much of that these days. But, uh, but there is, so he says, yes, I'm going to get this done. And First Thessalonians talks about it, that, uh, that God is able to save us completely, body, soul, and spirit. Faithfully, is he who will do it. Uh, and, and so we, we find that the Holy Spirit is there to carry out the will of God. So we go down to verse 17, and we come down to verse 17. So he gets, he gets down. Can we drop back to 10 11? Yes, we can. Then the servant took his 10 of his master's camels. Sorry, I didn't do that, did I? Thank you. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the woman go out to draw water. So there were how many camels? Ten, ten camels. Ten in the Bible is always the number of testing. And these, so ten, when you see the number ten, it's usually talking of, of, of a time of testing. And, uh, but camels are also a picture of trouble. <coughs> so when you've got ten camels, you know you've got trouble. But the servant had these camels under control. And he made them kneel down. They were there and they were under his control. And the Spirit of God, when trouble comes to us, and uh, few of us go through life without trouble turning up at some point or other. But uh, the trouble brings us. We see later on that the camels brought uh, the wife backed to his to Isaac, and so we find the trouble does bring us closer back to God and brings us into the will of God if we handle it right. I've got a sermon on on, on the ten camels, but um, we don't have time for that. But it's a laugh a minute. But it's it's, it's a great picture of what happens because trouble comes and how we deal with trouble. Now we you know 
when David was anointed to become king, he was, a, he, he was anointed to king, but he didn't have a crown. He, didn't have, he couldn't function in that anointing. But God prepared him through trouble. Yeah. God allowed Saul to live another 20 years and cause him trouble to bring this young fella into a fit state to handle the crown when it was given to him. And trouble refines it. Trouble does that to us. But the Spirit of God, Eliezer the servant, had control of the trouble. Hallelujah. And so he was, he was there and uh, he used trouble to carry out the will of God. Verse 17. Let's go to there. If I miss anything, just yell out like that. It's because, you know, I get uh, excited about something else. Verse 17. The servant hurried to meet her and said, please give me uh, a little water. So he, he meets uh, this girl. What's her name? Rebecca. Rebecca, good. He, he meets Rebecca, and she comes out, and she's about to water uh, and, and draw water for the household. And uh, the servant hurried to meet her and said, please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my Lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she'd given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Now, you can, that was quite a task. Ten thirsty camels that have been travelling, they can drink a fair bit to fill the old humps up again with water. So, so um, she was busy. Uh, without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. And so we see here, there's the Spirit of God watching. Watching us. What is our attitude? Her attitude could have been, look, it was just so, could have been missed, this opportunity could have been missed so easily. If she'd got up grumpy in the morning and said, and her father says, Rebecca, your turn to get the water. What about, what about my sister? I did it yesterday. And, and, you know, just with a wrong attitude. Here's the, here's the moment of her life. This is the moment that God is going to change her life. We never know when that day is, is, is there. We don't know. You know, we need to expect a miracle. Hallelujah. Expect God's intervention in these days. We don't know. And so this, the Holy Spirit here is watching to see what this person's attitude is as she has this task to do. And she has a great attitude. She says, sure, have some, yeah, sure, have some water. And, you know, she says, oh, I'm blame you. I'm not talking to you, you anyway. I'm busy. I've got to go get my water. I'm coming home. She could have all sorts of different attitudes and missed the greatest opportunity of her life. Uh, but here the Holy Spirit watches us. You know, it's like that one who watches the, when we're being in, in the fire. The, one, the refiner of silver is watching us. Hallelujah. And caring for us and making sure that we are going to qualify for his purpose. So he says this, and so when the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a beaker and two gold bracelets weighing 10 shekels. Then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me there is room in your father's house for us to spend the night. She answered him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, bore to Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord. So here he's, the Holy Spirit carries gifts. He's a servant heart, but he bears gifts to bless his bride or the bride of his master. Mm -hmm. Praise be to the Lord. He's a worshipper. The Holy Spirit is a worshipper. 
You know, Jesus said the time is coming when the, those will worship him and what? In spirit and in truth, for the Father desires such to worship him. And so he, 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 it's the Spirit of God that inspires worship in our hearts. Um, so uh, it carries on there. Uh, he is patient. Verse 30. The girl ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now Rebecca had a brother named Laban, and he hurried out to the man of the spring. 30. As soon as he had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and had heard Rebecca tell what the man had said to her, he thought, this is looking good. <laughs> it doesn't say that. He had a bit of a, an eye for the gold, you know? So, uh, and, the bra and he, heard, he went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. And here we see the patience of the Holy Spirit. He knew that this girl was, was the bride for Isaac. He now knows God has led him to this point. He knows this. And he could have said, look, I'm coming to the house. I've got to talk to your father and so on. He didn't do any of that. He waited for the invitation. He just stayed out by the well and just patiently waited to see what would happen, whether he would be welcome in this house or not. And so he waits. And then uh, uh, Laban comes out and, and, and welcomes him and, uh, and takes him into the house. Where did I get to? So the man went to the house. Uh, why? He says, why are you standing out here? I prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man went to the house. And the camels were unloaded, straw and fodder were brought for the camels and water for him and his men to wash their feet. Then food was set before him, but he said, I will not eat until I've told you what I have to say. So he is patiently waiting. And then he tells the message about, he said, I'm Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, men servants and maidservants and camels and donkeys. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age and he has given him everything he owns. And my master made me swear an oath, saying you must not get a wife for my son from the doors of the Canaanites. The Holy Spirit carries the message of the Father. He carries the message of the Father. He said, this is what I'm about. This is what, you know, when we come and, when we come and allow the Holy Spirit to talk with us and to walk with us and we welcome him, then he brings good news. Hallelujah. He brings good news to us. He is that sort of a person who carries the message of the Father and he, he invites, um, he invites uh, Rebecca. And so they are there and they talk about that. And... Uh, you know, if we welcome the Holy Spirit, the house that welcomes the Holy Spirit gets blessed. See, so you still had the option. Well, do you want me to come? Do you want me to come to your house? Do you want me to abide in your house? And he gets this welcome and he comes and he brings gifts and he gifts her. And, and then, then they ask, verse 58, she has the decision to make. They waited overnight and, and so on as and uh, verse, uh, when they got up the next morning, verse 54, the servant said, send me on my way to my master. But her brother and her mother replied, let the girl remain with us 10 days or so, day 10 of testing, then you may go. But he said to them, do not detain me. Now that the Lord has granted success to my journey, send me on my way. So they said, let's call the girl and ask her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? I will she said and so the time comes in all of our lives when the spirit of God comes to us 
and asks us that question. Will you go with this man? Hallelujah. Will you walk with the Spirit of God? Will you welcome him when he comes into your situation? And so we must be prepared and welcome him to our houses. So that's a story. The Holy Spirit as a servant, as Eliezer, it's a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit in our time. Okay, the Holy Spirit as wine. Wine is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Wine is associated with joy, jubilation, and celebration. Where the Holy Spirit is moving freely, there is great joy. Hallelujah. You can tell when you walk into, well I can anyway, when you walk into a church and you sit there for a while, you know whether the Holy Spirit is there, whether there's much joy and laughter in the house. Because the Holy Spirit brings that. And wine is a picture of that sort of celebration. Let's go to the Old Testament book of Joel. It talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And um, I can know um, where it's Daniel, Hosea, Joel. If you get to Ezekiel, then you go to Daniel, then you get to Joel. And so here we find in chapter 1, we find that there's no wine. There's no wine. It says here, verse 10, The fields are ruined, the ground is dried up, the grain is destroyed, and the new wine is dried up, the oil fails. So here we find out that the field, that there's no harvest, the fields are ruined, there's no rain, these are all pictures of the Holy Spirit, the ground is dried up, no, there's no Holy Spirit, the grain is destroyed, there's no uh, word, there's no uh, uh, grain or, or, or um, bread in the house. The new wine is dried up. There's no joy in the house. The oil, the Holy Spirit, the oil fails. Despair, you farmers, wail, you vine growers. Grieve for the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field is destroyed. No harvest. The vine is dried up and the fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the palm and the apple tree, all the trees of the field are dried up. Surely the joy of mankind is withered away. So we see here, they are in desperate trouble. There's no rain, there's no oil, there's no wine. The the Spirit of God has departed from this place. And so over in Joel chapter 2, we find what happens. And um, verse 19, 18, chapter 2. Then the Lord will be jealous for his land and take pity on his people. The Lord will reply to them, I'm sending you what? New grain, new wine, and oil. Enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. And it comes over to verse uh, 19, verse, uh, and you go down to 29. Surely he's done great things. Be not afraid of land. Be great, glad and rejoice. Um, verse 22, be not afraid of wild animals, for the open pastures are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine are yielding their riches. Be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains and righteousness. He sends you abundant showers. Here's the rain of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring showers of blessing, both autumn and spring rain. And the old authorized it says in the same month. In other words, there's such an outpouring of rain, hallelujah, that there's a double portion of rain coming at the same time. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and new oil. Hallelujah. That's the sort of church I want to be in. Praise God. 
you know, that then there's the heart. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. Praise God. The harvest is there. That which has been destroyed by the locust is restored. And so on. Because the Holy Spirit is there. And then afterward I'll pour out my spirit. Verse 28. On all people. So here he's talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is linked to these things of harvest, of grain, of wine, of oil, uh, of, of, of harvest. I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. So we get this linking of the harvest and, and, and the new wine uh, and the oil and the rain all coming in because the Holy Spirit is being outpoured. Praise mm -hmm. God. Uh, and so here, this is a wonderful picture of, of what the Holy Spirit uh, it does in the church and for us. When Jesus turned up and, and began to teach in Luke chapter 5, we read that he talks about this as well. Luke chapter 5 and verse 37. No one, said Jesus, pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins and no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new. For he says, the old is better. This is a, again a picture of the Holy Spirit breaking into people's lives, pouring out new wine of his spirit. Hallelujah. Uh, new wineskins are required for new wine. In these days of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the old way of doing things may not hold what God wants to do in this day. The old, old things. Many people want the new wine, but they want to retain the old wineskin. It doesn't usually happen. New wine requires new wineskins. A wineskin must be soft, flexible and pliable and able to be stretched. And we need to keep like that in our hearts. Hallelujah. Don't become set in your ways. Don't say, don't draw lines and say, that this is how God does stuff. This is how I know this is it. This is it. Because we're talking out of our past experience. Whereas the Holy Spirit, when he comes, it's like new wine. It's bubbling. It's, 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 it's going to expand. And the old goat skin was tied up, poured with wine, but not quite poured to the brim, and then it would expand and fill the wine. So the old wine had to be pliable and stretch a little. Otherwise, when the wine started to ferment, it would burst the wine skin. And Jesus said the, 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 the skin is broken, not only that, the wine is lost. And many churches have been like that. And I've been seen that over and over again, that God begins to do something different. Something new. All of the history of the church is like that down through the years. And usually the ones that, that have difficulty going into the next, into the new, is, was the last group of people that God really blessed and poured out his spirit upon. And they say, well, this is how it was. And, we, and you know, I've been brought up in the old Pentecostal churches for years. But you see, when God began to pour out in the charismatic renewal, the old Pentecostal church says, well, God hasn't given, we have not given God permission to do this. <laughs> and, and as many of them got left behind. And many of them now are getting left behind again. As God keeps doing things, you know, we must uh, stay open and pliable to God. Hallelujah. Yeah. 
Old wineskins can be restored by soaking in water. Otherwise, they will burst when filled with new wine. We need time to just soak in the presence of the Holy Spirit until we are renewed. You know, so in the in, in days gone by, you know, I've been used by the Lord in days gone by, but the last it, but I'm now soaking in the presence of God, just waiting mm-hmm. on God and, and, and praying because I, I want to be soft, I want to be flexible, I want to be open to what God wants us to do, yeah? Mm-hmm. And then we can be renewed like that, we can be restored. It's not just well, I know what it is, so it'll be the you know the same oh yeah, yeah. No, not necessarily. Experience and wisdom, we, we accumulate that and that's good. But in Jeremiah 33 it says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not, is the old authorized. So you don't, we don't have it all in the box that we know what God's going to do. So there it is. If you, and, and then it says, verse 39, if you just keep sipping at the old wine which you've known for years, you end up not wanting the new wine. Such a person says the old is better. And sometimes we, we have to be open to that. Mm. You know, I have differently sometimes with, with some of the new songs. I find them difficult to sing. But I put on the old ones and I can say, it's great, I can, I, I'm there. <laughs> and the tendency is say, well, the old's better. But that's what my parents said about the songs that we sung and how when we were kids. <laughs> we were teenagers. So, you know, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? The generations move on. Yeah. And we just have to be open, just... Yeah, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Hallelujah. Um, John chapter 2, Jesus turns water into the wine at the wedding. And the wedding master said the best wine had been kept until last. Uh, the new wine is better than the old. It is fresh wine for today. So they drank all the old the wine that was there and then Jesus made a whole new batch. And he says, this new wine, the fast. oh man, this new wine is better than the old. You see, because Jesus was working his miracles in that day. Romans 14 and verse 17 tells us that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And not meat and drink. In other words, not all just rules and regulations of the old covenant. But the kingdom of God is found in righteousness and in peace and in joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. The older brother in the story of the prodigal son would not join in the celebration because there was too much merriment. The father declared, let us kill the fatted calf, feast and celebrate. My son was lost and is found, was dead but is alive. Where the Holy Spirit is moving, prodigals are coming home and there is much joy in the house. Please excuse me if I laugh and jump a bit and dance when people are coming home to the father's house. Hallelujah. See? You know... If we're not excited, if, we, if, we, if it's ho-hum to us that people are giving their hearts to the Lord, then we need to soak a bit and get the old spine skin a bit more flexible. Yes? Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, Don't be drunk with wine. Yes? But what? But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some emphasise the command, don't be drunk with wine. And some churches will put you out of the church if you do. But I've never heard of anyone being put out of the church for not being filled with the Holy Spirit. But both are commands. Don't be drunk in wine. Do be filled with the Holy Spirit. But you get thrown out of the church for that sometimes. You get thrown out of the church for that sometimes. Yes. 
my grandfather, great-grandfather was thrown out of his church. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, we get caught up with rules and regulations, but we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The command is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 of that chapter tells us how. What does it say? Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You say, how can I keep the river of God's Spirit flowing in my life? That's the key. Hallelujah. Right there. It's a great attitude. Speaking, singing to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, I love it. Giving thanks for all things. That, that attitude of gratitude is a great releaser of, of, of the Spirit of, of God. Habakkuk 3.16. No, the fig tree does not blossom. Is that what it says? And there is no fruit on the vine. Yet will I what? Rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. So it starts out, and this is Habakkuk 3 and verse 16. I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nations invading us. So he's in big trouble. The, the, the place is getting trashed. The enemy is walking all over them. He says, I'm just going to wait patiently for the day of calamity to come to the nation invaded. And I'm waiting for God to deal with my problems. And I'm just waiting there. And he says, though the fig tree doesn't bud, and there's no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, and there's no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, enables me to go on the heights. Hallelujah. So we see that great sort of attitude. Isaiah 12, 3, with joy will you draw water from the wells of salvation. So there, there is Nehemiah 10. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We need the joy of the Spirit of God within us. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that joy of celebration is important to your spirit and to your soul. And uh, it's the Spirit of the Lord that brings that to us. Uh, there it is. Where there is, no, where there is joy, there is strength. If you love doing what you're doing and you enjoy it, you have the strength to keep going. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. If you love, you know, you get into the area of passion and you like to do things, boy, it doesn't matter, you can just go for hours. That's why I can teach for hours. Sorry. <laughs> Psalm 23 and verse 5, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You what? You anoint my head with oil. What? My cup. Here it is again, the cup, the wine of God, the cup overflows. Hallelujah. And King James says, my cup runs over. The message says, my cup brims with blessing. Hallelujah. That's the joy of the Lord. That's the, 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 the presence of the Holy Spirit. Right over the, over the page. There's three scriptures here we want to look at. The Holy Spirit as a seal. This is the last of the symbols that we're going to look at. Um, this is a symbol that conveys to us the idea that the Holy Spirit sets a seal upon us as a sign of ownership and of guarantee. So we need to go to 2 Timothy 2 and verse 19. 
2 Timothy 2 and verse 19. Okay, where is it? Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. So it says here, we are, there's a sealing of the Holy Spirit of ownership. The Lord knows who are his. Hallelujah. And the presence of the Holy Spirit is that seal upon our lives. And uh, the impression of a seal implies a relationship to the owner of the seal and is a sure sign of something belonging to him. Christians are God's property and are assured of this by the Holy Spirit living within them. Hallelujah. The following custom is common in Ephesus in Paul's day. A merchant would go to the harbour, select certain timber, and then stamp it with a seal, an acknowledged sign of ownership. Later, he would send his servant with a signet who looked for the timber bearing the corresponding impression. In the same way, our possession and ownership by God are declared by the seal of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Galatians, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, says this. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. So we are sealed when we receive Jesus as our Saviour and Lord. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The Holy Spirit comes and He seals us. Hallelujah! And, this, and, and here Paul is saying that the, the sealing or the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life is a guarantee of your ongoing inheritance in the Lord. See, the, the, the working of the Holy Spirit is your first taste of heaven. The workings of the Spirit of God in our lives is the first taste of what we're going to experience. We're bringing heaven down. Hallelujah. We, we, we're dealing with eternal things when we're born again. We move from, from death into life. Hallelujah. This, you know, and so it's the first taste of that. And so the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life is a, is a seal. It's, it's a, a sign of ownership. That hallelujah, one day I'm going to inherit all that Jesus has. Yes, it's a guarantee that God has uh, taken us. To tamper with a seal is a serious offence. The Romans sealed Jesus' tomb and to break that seal would have been seen as an attack on the Roman government itself. In the same way, he who attacks the sealed child of God attacks the authority of the government of God's kingdom which endorses us as belonging to God. That is a serious offence. So if the, devil, the devils and the demons uh, line up and try and attack you, hallelujah, you belong to God. You are God's property. You are in the kingdom of God. You have an authority to stand against those things. And so we need to uh, continue to do that. It's not easy sometimes, but we need to stand and declare that we belong to God. Hallelujah. We need to tell the devils, get your hand off God's property. I belong to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is the last scripture in this, verse 21 and 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, 
and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So a picture of the Holy Spirit is the seal of ownership. His presence is like a seal. It guarantees that you belong to God. Hallelujah. And not only that, but you're going to enter in to everything that God has for you. You say, well, I might be struggling at the moment. Well, you won't be struggling forever. Hallelujah. And so we need to trust God for that. So, the Holy Spirit. What is it? What are the, the, the symbols of the Holy Spirit? They are servant heart, the servant, the dove, yes, wine, yes, oil, yes, wind, yes, fire, yes, water, yes. There's eight. We missed one. Yeah. You probably said it. The seal, yeah. Yeah, thank you. So, these help us to understand the workings of the Holy Spirit in our life. Sometimes he comes like water. Sometimes he comes like refreshing rain. Hallelujah. Sometimes he comes like a wind. Sometimes a gentle zephyr. Sometimes a tornado blows all the cobwebs out. Sometimes he comes like oil, an anointing that comes on us, runs down our, you know, just sometimes he's like water. He's a river that flows up from within us. Hallelujah. He's a river of life that flows through us. Sometimes he's, he, 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 he's like a, a servant who, who just is there to carry out the will of God and to guide us. Everything that the Holy Spirit does in your life is to make you more like Jesus and to bring you closer to Jesus. He's like that. Hallelujah. Sometimes he comes like wine. The joy of the Lord. I've seen people so filled with the joy of the Lord. So we went, uh, one season, there was a lot of laughter in the church. Just Holy Spirit laugh. That's the only way you could describe it. People would just laugh and laugh. I remember um, David Peters, who was with us in, in, in Auckland there, and he was on staff, and he, he, the Spirit of God came on him. And, and he just, because he, he'd been carrying a huge load over his life, a wife with multiple sclerosis, who was gradually dying, and, and then he'd gone through cancer, I told you that. But one day the Spirit of God came to him like wine, just filled him. He was just, he was on the floor. I, I never see, and he just, the front of the church was about, I suppose, as long as this thing, and he rolled from one side to the other. <laughs> In the early days, when the first, they used to call them the Holy Rollers. <laughs> but literally, I didn't, so I hadn't seen it, never done. And he rolled. And every time he stopped for a minute, he was rolling, he, he, he just was laughing, you know, then he started rolling again. And he rolled right across here, and he rolled all the back. He went for about half an hour, but he got up, renewed, and refreshed, and all the, all the, the pressure and the intensity of his life and all the heartache that he was going through and walking through. God gave him a real, hallelujah, a baptism in wine. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. And uh, sometimes he comes like, you know, he comes as, as a promise, as a guarantee. He's just there. Guarantee, hallelujah. So we need to be able to welcome him and walk with him no matter how he comes, yes? Hallelujah. And so, if you've received Jesus as your Saviour and Lord, then the Holy Spirit has come into your life. He is with you. And the secret is to flow with him. To allow him to work his work of grace in your life. And to listen. And to be a bearer of his gifts. And so we'll look at that for a few minutes next time. So what we're going to do now, we're going to have a cup of coffee.